Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi guys, this is Joe Savage and I was the head of recruitment for Preston North End from... 2017 to 2020, just at the end of 2020, I left to become the sporting director at Heart of Midlothian Football Club in Scotland. Um, and I'm on here to talk with Jake and Ollie about the recruitment at North End, which I'm really looking forward to. Thank you very much for coming on. I know we've we've been trying to arrange it for quite a while, so it's good to finally have you on. Um, much yep. appreciated, Ollie as well. Thanks for coming on, mate. Again, awesome. Appreciate it. Um, I guess we'll start out just sort of with your playing career, Joe. Um, started out if my research is right, which it often isn't. Uh, at Stenhouse Muir in two thousand and six, was it? That's correct. Yep. Yeah, and then you went went on to quite a few different clubs up in in Scotland. Um, how was it that you got into sort of football? Like, was it from a young age, or did you come into it slightly older? Or yeah, well, I wouldn't say I was a, a prospect, Jake, but I was I was a decent player when I was younger. Um, I trialled with a lot of clubs: your Aberdeen, Harps, Hamilton Aki's Motherwell. So I trialled with a lot of them, and I'd went to Motherwell, um, and I thought I was going to be getting a contract there. It didn't transpire that I did. Um, I ended up then leaving there to go to Hamilton Ackies. Um, and again, that was going to be a full-time opportunity. Um, and it never transpired, uh, I think, because of finances at the time. And maybe I wasn't good enough. I don't know. Maybe I needed that sort of setback to sort of pave the way to uh, end up going to Stenhouse Muir, which was, uh, they were part-time. They were a part-time team at the time, but they... The Youth Academy um, was part of an apprenticeship scheme with Falkirk College, so we ended up going full-time. Um, and then, as you say, I spent four years at Stenhouse Muir, and then for Stenhouse Muir, I went to East Fife. For East Fife, I went to Albion Rovers. For Albion Rovers, I went to Arbroath. From Arbroath, I went to East Stirling. And for East Stirling, I went to a trial with Stranraer and Berwick. So, yeah, I've been about. Um, there's, there's no getting about. <laughs> there's no being about the bush there. I have been about with my, my playing uh, sort of career. Um, and probably, to be honest with you, Jake, it's probably the motivator for me that I didn't have the career that I felt I should have had. Um, and I'm not sitting here saying I was the next Didier Drogba, but um, I could have been a good striker and I was a bit lazy. I didn't do the, the work that was required off the field in terms of nutrition, eating the right things. Um, and doing the extra training and going that extra mile that you find the, the top players do. I didn't do that. Um, and that was why I ended up not becoming a successful footballer. And it's probably what drives me now to, yeah. to be that footballer. Well, I'm not a footballer anymore, obviously, but now I'm, I'm a sporting director and I'm just as, as hungry as I was then as I am now. I'm really just a really, really hungry person to, to try and succeed as, as much as I can. Yeah. How how was it that sort of retirement came about then? Was it something that you just thought this this is probably the right time? I, I'm I'm like obviously you've just touched on there about your career that you, you perhaps weren't disciplined enough. Do you think it was just sort of one of them them things? Yeah. Just... I think um, yeah, discipline in terms of uh, the attitude I had um, I'd 
was I went part time when I was twenty two, um, and it was part time and part time part time trying like, like probably a lot of people in Scotland, a lot of players back then, like believing that one good season will get me a full time gig and will get me a, a, a team coming back in for me. And it never it never materialised for me, so I ended up having to, I worked a number of jobs, um, hated nearly every one of them, but um, I needed to to put money on the, the, the table so to speak and we my wife and I we, we got well we didn't get married to, before we got married she was I was 28 she was 25 but we were in a long-term relationship and um, uh, I needed to get a job and what I ended up happening is I started working for SSE it's a uh, Scottish Southern Energy and that's changing like the electric meters I hated it I didn't, didn't enjoy it one bit I felt I had to work so hard just to be competent at it but it gave me that sort of discipline to, to understand what a working environment was like, but also it meant I knew what I'd lost with, with the football and I was so desperate to get back in. It's so, so desperate. Um, and I ended up working there for five years. Um, but how I ended up retiring, to answer your actual question, was I wasn't enjoying football, first and foremost. I wasn't enjoying it. And I was playing for a team called East Stirling at the time. Um who I absolutely I love my time at East Stirling, but uh, I was carrying it. Well, I'm still, I'm still overweight just now, but I was carrying a bit too much weight for a professional footballer or what you would call a part time footballer back then. And um, I was picking up niggling injuries. And I just one day I just was lying in the couch and I had the shooting pain up my, my hip. And I was like, well, what's, what's that type thing? And my, my wife was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know, I just my, my hip's sore. And she's like, you're going to have to see about that. So Long story short, I went to the, the, I got an appointment with the doctor, they booked me into the hospital and I went into the, see the doctor and it was a female and she said to me, um, do you want the good news or the bad news? Uh, and I said, um, give me the good news. She says, you've not got arthritis. And I was like, oh, that's good. She, I said, what was the bad news? You're going to get arthritis. Um, <laughs> yeah, with the way you play and like, I'm six foot two and I was a big centre forward. I couldn't run, I wasn't fast. Um, so it was all heavy landing, jumping, winning headers, physicality, um, and it just taken its toll on my body. Um, but it was a wee light bulb moment because I think it was probably what I wanted to hear because yeah. I just went and looked and went, yeah, do you know what? That probably works with me not enjoying this and, and I'm keeping somebody out. The, the, well, I wasn't in the starting 11, to be honest with you, but I'm keeping somebody out the, off, off the bench um, who probably deserves it more than I did. Um so I just came in the decision. And again, guys, don't don't think for a minute I was earning a fortune back then. I think my contract at uh, East Stirling at the time was £50 per week. So it's not as if I was, you know, I mean, I was relying on that to pay my mortgage type thing. I was doing it. It was like a hobby. I was enjoying it. But yeah, in the end up, it, it, it turned out that I wasn't as good as I thought I was and I wasn't as fit as I should have been. Um, yeah. And when I sort of cold quits on the, the career. And I, I've never had a great career be at any stretch of imagination. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that. I'll, I never won Champions Leagues or anything like that. So um, when I when I call it a career, it's like, oh, I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek when I'm saying that. But when I did decide to stop, I was I was happy, is the best way to put it. I was like, yeah, yeah, you've made the right decision. You've absolutely made the right decision. Um, so that that led uh, to me not not being involved with football for a couple of months, Um and then I know we're going to obviously going to speak about it, but um, I'm, I, get in, I get in contact with a person called Alan McGonigal, who was a bonus uh, juniors manager. So there was a junior f- football team up there and he'd an association um, with uh, Hamilton Ackies. He had a connection and 
I'd went in to speak with, with Alan and Alan said, do you want to do some scouting for me? And I said, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean as well. I, I quite fancy that. Um, because originally, guys, I know I keep talking, so I do apologise, but <laughs> no, no, um, I wanted to be a manager. I wanted to do my badges and be a manager. That was the, yeah. the original plan that I thought, do my coaching badges and try and be a manager. I'd yeah. always, probably like yourselves, I'd always been, been interested in recruitment and scouting, played championship manager, played football manager, all the things that you, you do when you're, you're younger and you're, you're creating teams and your your tactics and formations. I've always been a student in the game, but Alan was the the, the person that introduced me to, to Hamilton Aki's um, through his contacts, and again it kind of it just went from there. So have you always been sort of a student of the game, like you say, and that was always the long term ambition to move into that sort of role? Because, like you say, especially me, I, I, Jake can speak for himself, but that's something that I've always wanted to follow no matter what I did. So was it always, were you always going to go into that kind of role? Yeah, I, th- I think so, Ollie, to be, to be honest with you. If you'd said to me, because I'm, I'm 30, just turned 37 in Saturday there, but if you'd said to me, well, I probably started at 28 years of age, if you'd said to me nine years ago, you'll be a sporting director in nine years' time, I'd never have believed you. Yeah. I'd have absolutely never believed you in a million years. I've, I would have just been happy working at Hamilton Ackies, uh, earning the salary that I was earning just being involved in full-time football. That was, like, um, to, be, to be honest with you guys, like, like, if you say about a bucket list, when I, the, the, what I wanted to achieve was, I came from a council estate, so I came from a, a council background. There's five people in a two-bedroom house, um, and we struggled for money. I'm not, not going to deny that, I'm not going to dispute. My mum and dad's worked their, their absolute backsides off to, to help us as much as they possibly could. And when I was growing up, um, I wanted to be a professional footballer, and I kind of achieved it, not to the, the level that I wanted to achieve it, but I kind of achieved it. But when I stopped being a, a footballer, I, I swore to myself, you let yourself down in the football side of things, in the, the playing capacity. Do not dare let yourself down if you're going to commit to this and try and get involved in it and coaching or business management, whatever it may be. And I wanted to do that. And I can say I've achieved that because I'm now a sporting director at a massive club in Scotland. Another thing that I, I wanted to do was um, I stayed in a semi-detached house. I wanted to own my own house. I wanted to have a mortgage. Mum and dad didn't have their, their own house. We, we rented. It was a council house for a number of years. She, she's now bought it, don't get me wrong. Um, but I wanted to own a detached house and I'd done that and yeah. I achieved that. Um, and then I wanted to be in a, a situation where if I wanted to buy something, I could buy it. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I'm a millionaire, not by any stretch of imagination. I'm nowhere near that, but I'm good with my money. I'm sensible. And one of the things that I made sure I do that is if I want to go out and buy a pair of trainers tomorrow or whatever it may be, a, a nice coat, I can do that. Um, so I honestly, sitting here right now, guys, I could retire right now and say, I've achieved everything I set out to achieve. They were the three main goals for me when I was growing, when, when, when I started to do this. Um, but as you'll probably find out further down the line, I'm as hungry as then as I am now. I'm, I'm so, so hungry to keep achieving and keep uh, developing myself and, and trying to be the best that I can be. I just, I'm, I'm just desperate to, to do well and to do well. As, I was desperate to do well for Hamilton, desperate to do well for Norwich City, desperate to do well for Preston North End and now desperate to do well for, for Harps. So again, guys, sorry I'm going off subject. We, we're just no, talking. No, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to give you a bit of background into yeah. myself uh, and what, what I've done and why I do it. Yeah, no, Joe, don't worry about it. I appreciate guests that come on and can sort of hold their own when it comes to elaborating on things. It means it's less for me to try and well, squeeze right. it out. So obviously you mentioned that you moved to Hamilton. 
how how was it there compared to further down the line at Norwich and then obviously at North End and now at Hearts? Like, um, it was that to be fair, it was absolutely brilliant. It was it was a brilliant, brilliant time. It was because I was so excited to go into the, the full time environment. I was just desperate to do well and help out as, as best I could. And at the time when I joined, um, Billy Reid was the manager. So Billy Reid is now the current Swansea City manager, uh, assistant manager. Um, yeah. He was the manager at the time, but I only I only got to work with Billy for a, a couple of weeks, and then and then Billy left. Um, I didn't know Alex Neil um, before I'd moved into Hamilton. Well, obviously, we didn't stay that far from each other, but he's not someone that knew, and neither was Frankie McAvoy. Um, but we instantly formed a connection. We had to off straight away, um, and Alex is probably the reason why. I decided not to be a manager um, because when I started to watch him and see how he operated, I was like, that's what a manager actually looks like. That's that's how you actually manage. Um, and I thought at the time I was a million miles away for that. Um, he was so, so organised tactically. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, he, he's reading of the game, how he's seen things and how he's seen things quickly and how he could adapt. It, it was honestly, it, it mesmerised me, to be honest with you. Um, and then we, we, we Frankie, the, his assistant, you couldn't ask for a better person. He's like one of my best mates in football, Frankie. I absolutely love him to bits. And uh, I, I really think he'll do do a great job. But they, they had a great balance and a great partnership there. And I kind of thankfully slotted in beside them. The way, if you want to kind of summarise our, our roles, Alex was the manager, he managed, then Frankie coached and I'd done the, the recruitment and the analysis. And that was my job at the time there at Hamilton was I was responsible for the recruitment of players, but also I'd done all the analysis on the opposition. Mm. Um, so I, I would, and again, guys, what I have to say before, before, before that, I wasn't full time at Hamilton to start with. I was, I was part time. So I was doing my, my job eight to four with, with SSE and then coming home, saying to my wife, how you doing? Where's the dinner? What are we what are we getting? Eating my dinner and shooting back out to watch a game. Uh, if I wasn't watching a game, I was uh, putting footage together, or clipping things up, or uh, doing the analysis, the opposition analysis on the, yeah. the the opponents. And then we we one of the best days of my life uh, in football was the uh, playoff final or well the two the two leg against Hibs. Um, it's great now. I'm working for Hearts as well. That I can talk about Hibs and um, that we we beat them in the playoffs and. Um, I always remember the first leg, uh, Hibs came to our, our, our stadium in uh, New Douglas and they beat us comfortably 2 nothing. And I'd remember we went into the dressing room, before we, sorry, before we went into the dressing room, like, Hibs thought they'd won it. They thought because he'd beat us 2 nothing at our pitch, that was game done there. Their manager was giving all that to the fans, the, the yeah. players were absolutely buzzing. Um, but you could see in Alex's eyes, this wasn't finished. You could just tell that he, the steel of determination that he's got, and even Frankie as well, they just knew this wasn't finished. And it gave us all so much hope that the manager and the, the assistant at the time were just, they, they knew. And, and obviously, I need to give a, a, a mention to a lot of the, the staff at um, Hamilton because it was a brilliant time. Like, yeah, Ronnie McDonald, who was the owner of the club, joint owner, we, we, we call him. He was great for me in terms of my career. Les Gray was great. George Cairns, the he was like the academy manager slash first team coach. He'd done everything. It was it was such a good time, guys. And but to go back to the um, the Hibs game, like when we when we got beat, we came into the, the, the dressing room and Alex's sort of team talk was this isn't finished, guys. Don't think for a minute this is finished. We'll go there. We score early, we score early against them. 
that'll put them under real pressure. And lo and behold, we went to uh, Easter Road and within um, 20 minutes we'd scored. Um, like Alex had, had kind of pointed out, and it was it just set us off. Now, the only disappointing thing for us from, from that game was we should have beat them in 90 minutes. Um, we ended up scoring a couple of minutes to go to take it into extra time. And then we should have beat them in extra time. We didn't. And then, But to make it sweeter, we beat them um, on penalties in front of their own fans. Now, it's a, it's a lovely stadium and the fans back their, 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 their team. But for us to achieve that, with lowly Hamilton Ackies, you know what I mean? We were the, the first team ever to do it to, to, to get promoted for the playoffs. Um, you could probably tell with the, the way I'm speaking that I just mm. absolutely loved that. I loved that time. It was just, it was absolutely brilliant. I, I was local. I live in Hamilton as it is. Um, and I just always, always enjoyed my time there. Um, it was just, it was a brilliant sort of introduction to full-time football. Yeah. How, how did the move then to Norwich come about? Because obviously I think they not long sacked... Neil Adams. Neil Adams, that was it. And then obviously Alex, Frankie and you, yourself were down there. Like, was it... Was it something that you looked at and thought, this is a no-brainer, we've got to take it? Or was it was it a tough decision? I imagine it would have been a tough decision, obviously, with everything that you all went through with Hamilton together. Yeah, I think it's it's quite an interesting one, Jake, because when a club of Norwich City stature come for you, it's it's a no-brainer, let's, let's be absolutely honest. Um, I remember, it's funny, I remember coming in the day that, so I, I wasn't really privy to the conversations. I didn't even know that Norwich were interested in Alex. Like Alex is he's quite quiet, keeps himself to himself. He doesn't give away too much. And that's absolutely fine. That's, that's his prerogative to do that. Um, but I always remember coming into the, the training, because uh, we trained at the stadium, because we trained on the AstroTurf. And I, came in, I remember coming in and um, Alex wasn't there. And I was like, this is not like him. He doesn't, he doesn't have days off. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't miss days. He's, he's not there. And then... I swear it was like something, a, a film. We were just sitting, kind of watching Sky Sports Centre and it just popped up that Alex Neal's uh, in talks with Norwich City and we were like, what? <laughs> no, no, none of us could believe it, to be honest. We were just like, really? And then it grew arms and legs for there and obviously Alex got appointed. Um, he took Frankie down with him um, that month, I think Frankie to kind of serve not so much a, a month's notice, but he to help Martin Canning, Canzo, the, the guy that took over, the, the, the manager that took over, um, he to help him out. And then, um, I, like, to be honest with you guys, I didn't know if he was going to come for me or not. I, like, yeah. there, there wasn't any sort of conversation about that. I'd we were you hoping he would? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course, I thought we had a good enough relationship that he would come, he would sort of come back for me. Um, and we did. And um, I remember getting the call, like my, my wife will tell you this, I remember getting the call, it was on a, like a Thursday afternoon, uh, basically saying, Joe, we've approached Hamilton for permission to speak to you, they've granted permission, would you be interested in coming down to talk to us about being the, the chief scout? And I said, guys, you can ask, honestly, I came off the phone, packed my bags, get all sorted, and I was down there by the Sunday. Um, <laughs> I drove down seven hours, just drove all the way down, um, and that was me. I was in the, the hotel, booked in a hotel for a month and, and just tried to hit the ground running, tried to get as, as much involvement with the club and the history of the club and what was required. Because at the time, there was a, it was, there was a good side there. Let's, let's not be yeah, about yeah. the guys. It was a very, very good side. They had a lot of good players. Um, and Alex had transformed them um, when he went in. Like, I think out of 24 games, he won 17, get, yeah. get beat three and drew four or something like that. Maybe... Drew three and uh, sorry, Drew four and get beat three. I don't really know. His his record was frightening. Yeah. Um, Did so, you feel ready? 
Did you feel ready? Because obviously, no, no, Ollie, no, no. I, I knew, I knew. Like, I'm a confident lad, I'm confident in my abilities, um, but I knew getting down there that it's the the big worlds, it's, yeah. it's the, the English league, it's the, it's the Premier League, and you rely on people to help you. Um, and when I went down there, the staff were, were excellent. The, the 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 way Norwich treat their staff was like really really good. Really, and it's a beautiful beautiful city. You yeah. can see why so many people sort of retire there, and the amount of people when we were down there that had to move from elsewhere. You could understand why, because I, I, I absolutely, my family loved the city. We loved the city. We thought everything about it, the way he treated you, the way they came across, the, the people, um, it was just it was just brilliant. But we we knew we'd obviously hit the ground running. And when it came to the recruitment, like, and they've gone through this just now, this sort of period where they do brilliant knowledge to get into the Premier League, but because they're self-sustainable, it's, it's hard to compete. Yeah. Um, and I know Stuart Weber really, really well. And I speak to Stuart and I know Kieran Scott, the, the head of recruitment. Um, and I know how difficult it is because we obviously experienced it and they've done brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Some of their recruitment's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's hats off to them. But they know, like everybody else, going up into the Premier League, it's, it's so tough for a team like Norwich. Different ball game. Yeah, you've got Aston Villa or... Uh, not even not, not so much West Brom, maybe a um, a Fulham that can go and spend 20, 25 million in players. Yeah. And that still doesn't guarantee that they're going to stay in the league. So that's what Norwich are competing with. They can't spend that amount of money. In terms of the recruitment then, obviously you said you started at Hamilton Analysis and Recruitment. Was that sort of self-taught all that? Or did you learn that from someone? Because personally for me, that I've always had a similar interest and that's been social media's played a massive part. And obviously that was probably slightly before all that social media stuff was was getting big so was that all self-taught or did you yeah, learn from someone it's it's funny although when you put it like that yeah it probably was without me realizing then it yeah. probably was self-taught um, yeah. I've always been a student of the game I've always enjoyed watching players I've always probably said I've got an instinct for what I feel is a good player now, everybody's opinion's different so I could think somebody's a good player and you two could disagree and we one is could agree with each other so you know what football's like yeah. um, so in terms of the, the analysis, um, I've always kind of watched the opposition and tried to work out their weaknesses, tried to work out what they're good at, how do they attack, what, what's their, their strengths, um, but then also how can you exploit their weaknesses? Um, and, and myself and Alex and, and Frankie, we would, we would sit down, we would talk about things and we would sort of review games and, and try and understand what we think is their weakness that we can exploit. And yeah, to, to be honest with you, it's a good way of putting it all. I would say it was sort of self-taught, but yeah. like we all know in football, it, it, you know, you, never, you can't stop learning. As soon as you, as soon as you stand still, people take over. You, you need to keep developing yourself. And like again, I'm going to go off subject here, but one of the things that I'm doing just now is I'm, I'm doing the, the level five, the technical directors course with the FA, um, and that's been brilliant because it takes you r- right out your comfort zone. Absolutely, about so many things that you have to speak about and talk about and how you have to present. It's been, it's been really, really good for me. I've, I've, to be fair, I've missed the last couple of sort of sessions because of being up here. My, my wife just had a, a, a wee baby boy um, 13 days ago. So oh, yeah. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. So we've, we've had that to contend with. But um, I'm a big advocate of like, CPD. I'm a big advocate of trying to develop yourself as much as um, you can. And um, I, I want my staff um, to do the same. I want them to be coming to me saying, I've seen this course, I've seen this, can I do this? Can I do that? And you're like, absolutely, because any 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 little thing like that can help you. Yeah. How how did the move to North End come about then? I know, obviously, 
uh, Alex was let go from Norwich after uh, they were relegated from the Prem. And don't think he was out of work that long. I think when we've had Peter on in the past, he said that there is some kind of clause with Norwich that North End would have had to have paid, but Delia sort of waived. Um, so how did that all come about? Was that similar to sort of the move from Hamilton to Norwich and that it was you didn't really know much about it and then it was sort of like organs blazing sort of thing? Or Yeah, well, I think with um, with that, like Alex obviously had left the club. Um, myself and Frankie remained. We, we remained with the club. And um, it's funny, like one of, the, one of the things that Stuart Webber done when he, when he came into um, Norwich was to offer me a new contract. Um, within a, a couple of days of meeting him, like we sort of had a connection. We sort of spoke about similar things and, and Stuart had said to me, look, I feel you're underpaid. Um, I'd like to give you a new contract. And that was that was absolutely brilliant for me to hear that. Um, and I've got a lot, a lot of respect for Stuart. He's, he's, he's very open, he's very honest, but he's excellent at what he does. Let's not be about the bush. He's, he's, he's got a clear thought process. He's, he knows exactly what it is he's looking for. Um, so the point I'm making is that um, he'd wanted me to stay, but I felt for the next stage of my development, I needed to be ahead of recruitment. I needed to have that where I'm responsible for the, the recruitment of the, the football club. And it just so happened that Alex obviously got offered the, the, the North End job um, and he contacted me to see if I would, I would go in. And um, what I had to do, I met Peter, Peter Risdale. I met him for a sort of one-to-one. I had a good, open, honest chat with him. He told me what the sort of expectations were and, and, and if I could fit into that. And yeah, we, we seemed to hit it off and, that was how it came about that he Alex was looking for a, a, a guy to help me scouting and he selected me for that. So is that a different role to what you had at Norwich then? Yeah, yeah, I would say because um, at, at Norwich, uh, Ollie, I was like, chief scout, but it was it was primarily just watching games, going and I travelled all over Europe and things like that. And we, we sent some good players at Norwich um, yeah. that, that went on to make the club a, a lot of money um, and you were dealing with agents and things like that uh, with them, but with um, Preston, it was more direct link to the decision makers, whereas at Norwich it wasn't really. Yeah. It was had to go in and to be filtered through, whereas yeah. I would speak to Alex and I'd speak to Peter uh, and we would sort of decide to the, the players that we were going to try and uh, attempt to get. So it gave me more responsibility in my role. Yeah. How, how big a part for you is sort of like data and stats and analysis played in, in your roles over the years, maybe specifically at North End as well? Like, has it become more a prevalent part of your role? Yeah, well, what, what I always say, guys, is stats are facts. That's that's what they are. They're, 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 you can point it out whatever way you want. They, they, they are facts, but you read into them what you want. So we we developed, we were developing even further when I was at North End, the, the, the data and the statistics. And I, I do, I firmly believe in it, but I also believe in that life scouting you have to life scout because the data they can't pick up the character of the player yeah. it can't pick up the attitude it can't pick up the reaction off the ball yeah. um, which which are obviously vital components of a football player um, so yeah we, we I think every club now is is, is really big on the data and the, the statistics and filtering information through and having the KPI I can't obviously go into too much detail because I have to out of respect for, for North End that they might still be doing it. I don't know if they are. I know they've, they've appointed uh, James Beat. I don't know James, but um, I know he's in that role now as a recruitment analyst. Um, Ollie and, knows him very well, don't you, mate? Yeah, he's a good, he's a good friend. He was, uh, at Barnsley, he was at Barnsley, obviously, before 
Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know James, but James will obviously he'll probably be introducing his own sort of way of working, and and that's what happens. Um, the one thing you'll find with me guys is I'll never ever criticise the recruitment department because um, I know how hard it is. I'm not going to sit here and slaughter anybody because I could be in that position. I've been in that position where, like, guy, listen, I know I've been criticised at Preston. I know I've been criticised at Norwich and probably been criticised at Hamilton Ackes because the one thing in, in recruitment, you never get them all right. Well, and, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> you can't, I wish we could. I wish I could turn around and say, listen, every player I've signed for 50 grand's went and get sold for 10 million quid. It doesn't work like that. It never does and it never will. Um, you hope that you get more right than you get wrong, but you want that straight rate to... But what people have to understand with recruitment, guys, we don't set out to make bad signings. We don't set out to make mistakes. Yeah. Everybody you sign, you think is going to do well for you. And some, some might, some might not. That's not what people want to hear, but it's 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 the truth. It's, it's a it, fact, isn't it? Yeah. And I've got, I've got a saying in football that you do not know what goes on behind closed doors. I could sign you tomorrow, Jake, and think you're the next best thing. Be absolutely delighted. <laughs> I'd, I'd be questioning that. Yeah. <laughs> but I could I could sign you tomorrow and be absolutely delighted with it. But you you might have a bereavement. Your wife might not settle here. You you might not like it. You might not like the way we play. There's so many things that can go wrong when you're signing a player that you have to take them all into consideration. And every signing is a 50-50 risk. Yeah. Let's, let, let, let's be clear, but you like to think you get more right than you get wrong, but yeah. I understand how recruitment works. So that's why when, when people kind of want to speak about departments and say, oh, they've not done that well, and you're like, oh, I'm not, not quite sure. You, you probably don't realise the work that's went on behind the scenes for them to try and do what they've done. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one, one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on was to sort of try and sort of open a few people's minds to what actually goes on when it comes to recruitment because I do think obviously speaking from a North End point of view I do think some of our fans are quite cut and dry and quite black and white when it comes to signings and are either dismissive of sort of stats and data and analysis and and won't acknowledge it at all Uh, and then you've got some that are a bit of a mix and then you've got some that are full on but I think I think it's quite what's the word bit bit of like a a hoodoo topic kind of thing, if, if that makes sense. It's something, Jake, that I've tried to get across for obviously God knows how long, but having worked in recruitment for only about three months, it's just a completely different kettle of fish to what, like there's so many different facets at play. And I think it's about minimising the risk of any signing more than trying to get them all bang on. Absolutely. You even, you know, recruiting to different levels and stuff like that. So like you say, I think... You know, you can't get every signing right, but I think fans just get confused sometimes as to what actually goes into signing a player. And I think you've just got to try and ignore any criticism and just try and get on with it, which I'm sure, you know, James and people at the club will be doing. Yeah, one of the things one of the things I don't like doing, guys, I don't like having a target list. I don't like having a number one, number two, number three, number four, number five target list because I could make five calls in the next half an hour and I'm down to number six. Yeah. Because number one is wants too much money. Number two has just got injured. Number three's wife doesn't want to come. Number four has just signed a new contract. And number five has went elsewhere. Yeah. So I, I never I never want to turn around and say, who's your, who's your top five? You, you try and sign the best players available. Um, working within the parameters set to you by the club in terms of the budget, the transfer fees, the salaries, what, what you can afford to, to, to pay. And let's not be a bit of a bush, guys. At, at, at Preston, we're in... We've not been in the Premier League, but there's, what, 
20 teams in the championship that's been in the Premier League that in the last 10 years that have kind of yo-yoed up and down that have got the parachute uh, payments, uh, the money sitting there that they can protect themselves with and they're paying players an absolute fortune. Um, that's what we were competing with at Preston. And I think for the most part, we, we competed really well, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's interesting that you talk about sort of lists and top five players or whatever it may be, because it's, it's a criticism that has been levelled at the club probably by us as well on the on the podcast in the past that we've in certain circumstances settled for second or third choice so i think it's it's an interesting point that you that you mentioned that that was never something that maybe not specifically at north end but you would never do in terms of having a top 5 list it's always just let's just go and get the best available yeah, cuz I, I just it, listen other de- departments might be different they might but the other departments in my opinion have probably got the money sitting there or the, the the stature of club or the fact that they've just come down for the Premier League, they've got that there to sit and say, right, we know we can go and outbid Preston or we can go and outbid this other team or that other team. We weren't in that position. Um, so we, we we identified, like, see for me guys, I'll be totally honest with you, identification of players is easy. The three of us could sit here right now and tell, tell each other who we think would improve Preston North End. So easy to do that. The hardest part is trying to get them. The absolute hardest part is trying to get them. Look, like, like Daniel Everson just now. everson has been brilliant for Preston. We tried to sign him last January. We, we tried to get him last January and Leicester gave him a new contract because we were trying to sign him. Because Jack Cudworth, their goalkeeping coach at the time, helping out Jonathan Gold, Jack's responsibility was to go and identify young goalkeepers that we thought we could develop. Um, and Jack drove all the way from Preston, all the way down to Portsmouth to watch a game, uh, Portsmouth uh, against Rotherham, and we really, really liked Dan, yeah. but we couldn't get him. Now, they got him a year later, and everybody says, oh, what a great signing, this and that. But we also had Declan Rudd, who'd performed really, really well in that season. And now Declan got injured, it paves the way for Dan to come in. Dan's done absolutely brilliant, and everybody's saying, oh, great signing. But we we identified him a year ago, and that, like, I'm not telling any lies in, in any yeah. way. That, like, that, that, people can testify to that. Peter, Peter had tried to do the deal. We didn't get him. I suppose it's as, it's as much down to circumstance at the time, isn't yeah. it? As much yeah. as anything else. Yeah, and then that's that's what we found at, at Preston, that we identified so many good players, in our opinion. So, so many. Unfortunately, we didn't get them all. We managed to get we managed to get a lot of them. Like There's, there's, there's signings in there that, that have been on to do well. Ryan Ledson's obviously one player of the year, player's player of the year. And Ryan's, Ryan's signing was always... Not so much to replace Ben Pearson, but it was to, to just develop into the role um, and become an important player, which I think he's became. Yeah. Was Was there any sort of processes in place at North End, um, or do you think processes in general, when it comes to recruitment, are important? Yeah, I think like you would obviously the way the way it work would you you speak to you speak to the manager. The manager has to set. The, the boundaries of what he wants for his, his how he wants the team to play so he'll tell you how he wants the team to play and he'll tell you the profiles within that um, the attributes that he's looking for for the position so he would tell me I would feed that information back to the, the scouts that I had and one of the things that I'd done guys is mm-hmm. I created a partnership with the, the UCLan the university um, yeah. uh, uh, one of the lecturers there Craig Lawler was one of the scouts very good at what he does Craig um, and we created a partnership with all the students there 
to use the data, to use the statistics, to identify players. But we also had the KPIs of the sort of profiles that Alex Neal was looking for for these players. And the process would be identify them, watch them in video, watch them live, get the, the manager and Peter to go and watch them, speak to the agents, and then see if you could get the deal done. Yeah. So there, there's, there's always a process, but... So, so is that very much manager-driven rather than sort of a club strategy? And some clubs refuse to sign players over 25, etc. Um, yeah. Was that very much a manager-led thing at the time? Yeah, I think. Well, but it's Alex would be open to to listening to what people's thoughts were. He, like he, we had a big analysis room. He, he trusted his analysts. He trusted his coaches. You could speak. You 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 had your opinion. Um, you, you were able to talk. And the one thing that that Mr. Hemmings and the conversations I always had with Mr. Hemmings and Peter. We wanted to promote youth. We wanted to sign young players. We wanted to try and develop our own if we could through the academy. But they were a cap for the academy, so it was only up to under 18s. There wasn't a reserves, there wasn't a 23s. Yeah. So you're then going to have to sign or try and sign the best 19, 20, 21 year olds. Sometimes we couldn't get them, so we had to go and sign players that we had we could then develop, like a, a Jordan story, for example. Um yeah. and that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah, you have to try and develop your own players. And Mr. Hemmings was massively keen on that, as was Peter. That's one of the big things that they... And they do try and do that. They do try and sign. If you look at the recruitment, a lot of the time they'll try and sign players under 25. Sometimes you need to go above that because if you need a wee bit of experience or you need this person comes available, you just think, God, he just improves our team. Yeah. You have to go and take him. I think that's been labelled at the club by me, by a few of us. Like, I think... I think we've made eight signings permanently in the last three or four windows. Um, and I think there's been as many over 30 as have been under 23. So I think some people think we've sort of moved away from that. Obviously signing Chad Evans and Greg Cunningham on permanence this summer. So I think from a, a lot of fans' perspective, we've seen the likes of Pearson, Robinson, Hugill, Ben Davis go. It's like, what's the next batch of players that that's going to be? And I think that's what a lot of people are hoping for this summer. Um, especially with like the the sort of financial climate in League One, League Two, hopefully easier to get some of them players to the level now. Um, yeah. So I think that's what obviously a lot of people are banking on this summer. Yeah, Plus, no, yeah. Myself as well. I'm not privy to the conversations. Obviously, I don't know what, yeah. but I'd like to think that knowing Peter, knowing Mr. Hemmings, knowing Frankie, the, the type of coach that he wants to be, he wants to develop players. Um, so I, I would think that they'll go back down that route. But again, guys, it goes back to what we're saying. You can only go down that route and get the players if, if they want to sign for you or if yeah. you, you're able to beat other clubs to sign them. And that, that's a, that was a problem. That, that to, to, I don't want to speak about too many players that are at other clubs because I, I want to be respectful, but one of them was Adam Armstrong. Yeah. We, we held a, a strong interest in Adam. We, we matched what Blackburn offered and Adam had worked with Tony Mowbray before and chose to sign for Blackburn and he's yeah, now yeah. getting sold for £25 million or whatever it may be. Now that could have, that could have been us, but you can't you can't sit there and be upset at that and go, oh well, I wish we'd done that. The club done their best. We've done everything in our power to try and get the the player to companies. We 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 spoke to Newcastle. Newcastle granted his permission, and he chose Blackburn. It's one of them, isn't it? Was yeah. um, I know Ivan Tony was linked with us as well before he went to Peterborough. Was that a similar sort of thing? Look at look at the money. Look at the deal, and look how well he's done for Brentford. But he was another one that we'd spoken about. But what can you do? Yeah. If the money that they're talking and, and he's done brilliant and, and Brentford's recruitment obviously is very, very good in the championship, but Brentford spend money. They yeah. always have. They, they they spend they spend transfer fees, good transfer fees. 
Uh, and but again, it's paid off because they're in the playoff final. He's a championships top goal scorer, and who, who's to bet against him? Him scoring the winner on Saturday to get them up in the Premier League. Yeah, just in terms of obviously the financial parameters of getting players in. How much of a pull do you think Alex Neil was in terms of getting players in? Because it's probably grown a bit of a reputation because of who we've sold in terms of developing players. Do you think that was like a big draw for some players coming in? Yeah, Alex, listen, Alex speaks brilliantly, doesn't he? Yeah. Alex, uh, you, you, sit, you sit, Alex, I always used to say this, if you sit Alex in a room with Pep Guardiola and Pochettino, you'd hold his own. Yeah. He'd be easily able to hold his own talking about the, the tactics and the team and how he wants to play. And if they were going to play a 4-3-3, how he would combat that and what he would play, he'd be, Alex would be so comfortable in that environment. So Alex, he's a great talker. Um, he'll explain to you what, what you're what he wants the players to do. So I think he was a big a big pull. But I also think, guys, like, the new training ground's brilliant. It's out of this world. The the stadium's magnificent. Um, yeah. The location's fantastic. I, I absolutely, my wife and I, we loved living in Preston. We lived in a, a little village called Cottom, not far from Lytham. We used to go into Lytham all the time. I, yeah. I, I loved living in Preston. I absolutely did. Um, so I think there's, there's 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 a pool. You're not you're not far from Manchester. You're not far from Liverpool. So it's it's a great location. It's a great beautiful stadium, beautiful training ground, and you're in a top level in the championship. So people people want to come to Preston. It's I don't think it's too hard to to sell them. It's just sometimes other clubs can come in and they might have been in the Premier League or they might be uh, higher up the league than you are in other clubs. It might and it might be the location's better for them or their family to move to somewhere else. Just obviously we touched on Adam Armstrong and whatnot. Are there any other players that you sort of look back on that might offer sort of like a, a hint of regret or a case of if only? Oh God, that, Jake, I could be here all day. I could honestly, I could, I could be here all day. I don't, and I, again, I, I need to be respectful of other clubs. Um, I yeah. don't want to speak about their players because it's it's not right. I don't think. Um, uh, but like, well, we can talk about one that we had, Lucas Nemecha. Look how well Lucas has done since he's went to Anderlecht. Now, we, all of us at Preston knew he was capable of that. We absolutely knew he was capable of that. And he, he done, I thought he'd done really well for us, to be fair. Yeah. That's my, my personal opinion. I thought at times he was a game changer. He was His pace, his power. Mm. But he was young and he needed to be developed. And I would be very surprised if in years to come, Lucas does an interview and he talks about that development stage at Preston probably changed him yeah. and made him understand what it would what it takes to be at that level because he's been on to do brilliant but Lucas always had those attributes it's just yeah. we we didn't get the 15 goals that we probably thought we could have got from him um, yeah. the other one Steffi Mavadidi um, Steffi only played 11 games for us uh, but look what he's done he went on, he went on to Juventus went to um, into France and now Montpellier signed him for what 7 million euros so I, I thought, I, I thought, right player, wrong time. Don't know yeah. if you could say it like that, um, because yeah. they're, they're they're very very talented players. Yeah, I'm glad you said that about Nemechev because we've we, we've been fans we love of Nemechev. Yeah, yeah. Just, obviously, watching a lot of Belgian football this season, you can see he's an absolute monster. Brilliant, top but, player, top lad. Yeah, uh, I think that that was that was classed as a bit of a coup at the time as well. I think I remember. I think there was a couple of. I think Swansea might have been linked and a couple of others. Yeah, um, and, we, and we have to give credit to, to Mr. Hemmings, to Peter, to Alex, because we, we we went for that one and we, we, we spoke to him and we, we, we sold him the dream um, of coming to Preston. And 
again, who who can who who can uh, forget the Blackburn Rovers game where he does what he does down the right, their left hand side dominates the, the fullback, cuts it back for DJ Boom goal games one. We didn't play very well, but we had a, a game changer in Lucas and a match winner on DJ. Yeah, yeah, and that was brilliant because I was at the game. I remember being at the game, sitting in the director's box with Peter, and just thinking, well, it's just that, that's why their moments were in all oh, you're in this chick. I don't know what your your future's going to be if you're going to get into recruitment, but their moments where sometimes you just sit back and you go, that's why you signed them. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why it was all worth it for that moment for him to do that against your local rivals and you win the game. Hmm. I think you can say the fact that he played 45 games, I think it was, or Martin, yeah. I think he was in the 40s, obviously, he got the trust of the manager. Made a massive impact and then obviously gone on to do it now. So I think the first loan in particular, it can often lie to you in terms of, I think he's scored yeah. four or five goals. In reality, he's probably operating at 10, 15 goals because that's just how good he was. So yeah, I yeah, think like, even Mavadidi as well, he, he just looked very raw when he came, but like you could tell he had obviously the talent. But yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the best thing for, for Steph, it was probably going to Juventus and understanding like he's obviously left a massive club in Arsenal but he's went to Juventus and it's a different language it's a different culture different environment so he's had to obviously further develop himself and it probably made him a, a better player and he get loaned out and in that, and in that situation on. you have to adapt don't you really yeah. otherwise you, you you do fall back fall behind yep um in terms of obviously Alex's time at North End I think Again, something we've spoken about a lot on the podcast is how he developed players. Um, the, obviously, all he mentioned before: Jordan Hugill, Callum Robinson, uh, Greg Cunningham. He was another one that was that was obviously sold. I think there's there's a section of the support that perhaps don't credit Alex enough with that. Do you think that you look at those players like Alan Brown, uh, Daniel Johnson, Callum Robinson, Jordan Hugill, and think, do you know what? Yeah, Alex has done a, a very good job there. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely. And again, I don't want to be biased, like Scottish guy to Scottish guy, because I work with him and think, <laughs> I don't want to be like that. I just, I want to be open and honest and think that Alex did definitely develop him along, alongside his coaching staff. Uh, yeah. I think the hours that they spent on the, the coaching field, the work that they'd done in the analysis room, he would take them in for one-to-ones, he would show them their sort of weaknesses and how to improve, them, improve on them, sorry, show them their strengths and how to further improve them. Um he left no stone unturned. Alex, he, he workaholic alongside Frankie. Like yeah. Frankie, Frankie's absolutely brilliant. And obviously, Alex has, has moved on, and Frankie's taken the, the head coach role. And I'm really pleased for Frankie because I, I think Frankie's a special human being. He's a special, special man. He's he's got a brilliant way with people. He's got a brilliant way of speaking. But one thing he is, he's an unbelievable coach. I'm telling you right now, he's a brilliant, brilliant football coach. Um, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he wants. Uh, he might come across as Mr. Nice Guy, Frankie, but that's that's not him. He's got he's got the wee bit of needle that needs to, that he needs uh, to be a manager. Um, I think he's I think he's he's really really good, and I think he's developed a lot under Alex and watched under Alex. And I think see sometimes guys, sometimes you just need a fresh challenge, and and that's certainly from my perspective, is what I wanted. I didn't fall out with anybody at Preston. It was just time for me to stand them on two feet and see if I could do this sporting director's role. And time will tell how well I do at that. But I just felt, not I'd done enough at Preston. You can never do enough in uh, recruitment, but I just felt that the opportunity to work for a club of hearts and stature was just too good to turn down for me. I just loved the idea. It's a massive club up here. And obviously Alex has moved on. Um, 
but Alex will come again. I have no doubts Alex will come again. Anyway, wherever he ends up, he'll, he'll, he'll be just as good. He'll develop players again. They'll sell them for millions and he'll get them fighting for the playoffs. Yeah. I, re- I seem to recall when he came in that I think it was, I'm fairly certain it was Callum Robinson was sort of in and out of the side quite a lot to begin with. And, and I think Alex came out in the press and said, like, there's, there's stuff that I'm working on with Callum sort of on a one-to-one basis that when he gets it, he'll get it. And, and I think the Accrington-Stanley game in the cup away uh, when we got beat, I was sat quite close to the dugout and I remember like it, it sort of sticks with me now, Alex sort of making a point of constantly shouting at Callum and, and giving him instructions. And you watch his progression over his time at the club before he was sold under Alex and, and he was a completely different player come the end of it. Yeah, but I think... Sometimes you have to credit players as well with uh, their own development. And Callum was a great character, a great, great boy. Um, took on board what, what Alex was telling him to do. But it's like, like just now, Marrow at Sport Directors, look, you, we can give all the information we want. We don't cross the white line. It's, it's up to the player to take on board the information. And it's like leading the horse to the water. Um, Alex is excellent at giving you the information, but the player needs to be able to pick it up. And... Callum was, was smart enough to, to pick it up and look at the, the sort of career that he's went on to have. But wow. you could credit Ben Davies with that, Ben Pearson. There's so many that, that have come in and that, that have kicked on. DJ, Alan Brown, um, Ryan Ledson of the current crop, Jordan Story. There's, there, I, I did honestly think that we, we, we were so close. We were that close to breaking that playoffs, that, that close. And the pandemic killed us last year in the sense that when... When it stopped, we, we'd sit in six in the league. We'd been in the top six for so long and the momentum kind of, the fans not being there, we didn't do that well the last eight games, which was a blow, but we still finished ninth. And yeah, we, we were disappointed. And again, I was there at the start of the season where, where our form was patchy, it was up and down. Um, and I don't know if that was a fallback from, from last season or not. But just, just on that, did you think the 2019-20 season sort of had to be the season? Obviously, I think we went first, didn't we, in November? Um, and then I think we only signed one player in January. And I think from that moment onwards, maybe Alex Neal was a bit annoyed. It was quite vocal. Um, and then you got to the summer. And I think we only signed Emil Reese in summer. It was quite vocal again. So do you think it was always, not a downhill, but always we peaked at, at the wrong moment and the pandemic obviously killed us, like you say? Yeah, it's, you know, well, it's a hard question to, to answer for me, yeah. to be honest with you, because... I think when we when we signed Scott Sinclair in January, uh, we needed that sort of wide forward, um, and we we had, we had a look about to see if there was anything else that we could have strengthened with. But we were quite happy with the team, and then in the summer we have to obviously all pay respects that there was a, a global pandemic going on, and um, a lot of people were furloughed, a lot of situations where you couldn't. Uh, I don't think it was right to go out and spend millions of pounds um, on players, and obviously we took uh, Emil in, but. We also probably felt at the time that could the squad have been further developed and could we have strengthened it? Again, it's the it's a million dollar question. If you had your time back, you'd probably turn around and say, yeah, you probably would have signed two or three more. But again, at the time, we, we felt that the, the, the squad had just finished ninth. One or two sort of additions um, might have further strengthened us, but we, we, we only managed to get a meal. Um, and a meal started like a house on fire. And then 
again, by the time I'd left, I thought I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched massive amounts of pressing since I've left because my, my job's been so busy as it is. But I think Emil's going to be a top, top player. I personally do. I think he's got all the attributes to be a top, top player. But what people have to understand as well is Emil moved over whilst the pandemic was still going on and he, he went into a flat in Manchester. I think he had to wait a month or so for his girlfriend to come over and then the lockdown happened and he can't see any family. He's stuck in a country now. He's obviously been at Derby before. Um, he was only think, young though then, wasn't he? Yeah, and I think that you'll see next year. I'd like to think next year, um, depending on how Frankie sets the team up, I know he'd finish with a 3-5-2. I think he could see a real dangerous player in the middle now. He's fully settled and he understands the environment. And the club's great that way. Like Peter and the, the, the staff, they'll, they'll look after the players. They'll, they'll make sure that Everything is there for them to, to help them and make sure that the players are getting all, all, all they need. Like, I, guys, I had, I had a wonderful time at Preston. Honestly, I absolutely loved all the staff. And I, I make friends wherever I go. I'm that type of personality and that type of character. I like to, to bond with people. But I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time there. I, I had so much respect for Mr. Hemmings. I'd have the, the, the odd phone call where he'd phone me. And the two of us would just talk football. He'd tell me about Sir Tom Finney and um, Bobby Charlton, Jack Charlton, and I would just sit there listening because his knowledge and his memory is absolutely unbelievable. He'll be sitting saying to you, see, back in 1973, Joe, I'd done this. And I can't remember last week, Mr. Henry, do you remember him that far back? But he's just, look, that's why he's a, that's why he's such a successful businessman. And, and he obviously he's got Peter there as well. And, and, and Peter does whatever people want to say about Peter, Peter. Peter works as hard as anybody to make that club as best as good as he possibly can. Um, he needs to do. He has to work and abide by what, what, what is set for him. But the, the club for me was was great. Just obviously, we've just touched on Emil. In your time at the club, obviously, we we don't know the ins and outs of what you did and didn't do in terms of overseas recruitment. But from my point of view, looking in, the question that I'm going to put to you is that was overseas recruitment perhaps a bone of contention for you was it something that you felt that we could have done more of maybe um and and how pre and post brexit did that affect things if at all um i think like i think the the, the first and foremost we're we wanted to scout in north end we wanted to scout the uk market and um, that was that was our preferred uh, market to scout players and we, we just felt that the type of team that we were, the, the British players were probably better suited to it. Um, we always kept an eye on the foreign market. There's, I can't say that we didn't. We, we, we looked at a lot of places, but sometimes we would just find that the, there was better options in the, the UK market. Um, with, with Brexit, obviously, it's going to make it even harder to get the players in in terms of the point system and whatnot. But we we done we done obviously Emil Reese because we'd been tracking him um, and we'd we'd like what we've seen in terms of the attributes because Alex's number nine had to be mobile had to be physical um, and had to take the ball in and, and I think Emil's game he probably could develop retain the retention of the ball I think his link up could be better in terms of taking that in but that power and pace to run away from people is unbelievable um, and he's such a threat but again I'm, I'm sidetracking here Jake because. We did scout the, the European market. It's just we felt sometimes the players that we signed were better suited from the, the British market. Yeah. Um, but in no time did that was I ever told, do not scout that market, do not go there, do not do that. It was never it was never like that. It was we had to cut our cloth accordingly and we had to make the chance the, the decisions that 
that you take someone from Denmark or Holland or Belgium or can you get someone from the Championship or League One or on loan for a Premier League club or Scotland or Ireland? And that, that's what we would choose to do. Completely understand. Uh, obviously working in a foreign club anyway, like the adaptability between leagues is very hit and miss at the best of times. Totally um, on, totally. So I think it depends more on a player. Yeah. How, how willing they are to adapt but I think I don't actually know how much Brexit will affect things at championship level but um, obviously I know it's quite rare in Scotland to, to recruit from sort of Belgium Holland etc so nah I think a lot of fans obviously thought it was just completely off the radar for one reason or another well, um, def- definitely not the the, the department the, the club as a whole was, was open minded to, to whatever Um yeah. But Mr. Hemmings was so excited about signing uh, Emil Reese. So excited. Peter was so excited. Um, and again, you guys could probably judge him better than I because you, you watched, because I left obviously in December. Um, but he, for me, is going to be a, he's going to be a good signing. I think that, that he, he's got all the attributes. He's just, he's 22 years of age. I think people forget that he is still only. I know people might look at his time at Derby and think, oh, well, he's had however many years already in this country, yeah. but he was a baby then, comparatively. Yeah. And, I think and now he... he's, he's still incredibly young. Yeah. Jake, just look at Hugo. I think he yeah. was probably 26 by the time he exploded. Um, yeah. yeah. Similar type of player. I think Emil's like, moves back to goal, his touch and stuff, and he needs to be tidied up, but he can run away from the ball like... Probably very few players in the league, so it depends how you set up as well. Because I think it, when we were winning the game, he was ideal for winning a game, extending the lead. But uh, I think he struggled against some of the deeper blocks at home and stuff like that. Yeah, but, absolutely, Ollie. We, like, I remember the QPR game where he, like, we beat them down there. He was excellent. And then the Reading game, he was excellent. The Huddersfield game, he was excellent. Because these teams, funnily enough, Ollie, just as you pointed out, they they were away from home. Yeah. Um, that was the games that the team squeezed, squeezed the line, tried to play against us, tried quite happy to leave the space in behind, and we punished them. Yeah, I think it helps as well when you go in, you, when you go one nil up as well, because teams are more teams have to yeah. push the line higher anyway. So they chase the game, don't they? As long as he can develop more parts of his game with another season, I think. Because I think I remember Jake at the time. I said I was I was delighted. Um, so hopefully, as, as well with Chet Evans being there, probably takes a bit of pressure off him as well. So. And I'm I think still, still quite positive about Emil Reese. Yeah, I think like in, in going on to the Ched Evans one, Ched Evans is someone that we had spoken about and sort of attracted for a number of months and probably years. And the reason was um, anytime I would go to Fleetwood or anytime any scripts, we'd always come back and say, Do you know what? Ched Evans done really well there. Takes the ball in brilliantly, links the game brilliantly, just an absolute handful. Alex went to watch him, Peter went to watch him, and everybody would come back with the same sort of thoughts. You know what? He just does really well. He just does really well. And then um, there was discussions about Ched before I left, and we were saying, like, bringing someone like Ched in could probably help an immune because it'll teach him and show him how to take the ball and retain it and, and back in. And again, but guys, Ched's, what, 32? Yeah. 31, 32? Um, and I bet you if you asked Ched 10 years ago, could you take the ball in as well uh, now as you did then? Not as well then as you did now, but no, yeah. no chance. But yeah. it's just, it's just about development, and I, I, I honestly believe that they've got a coach in Frankie that that will do that, that will that will help, that will coach the players and develop them um, alongside Tomo. I, I don't know Galley as a coach, but I know Galley as a player. Galley was a brilliant footballer. Let's let's not be a revision. He's, he can see he's smart. He's got a good brain, uh, yeah. Galley. So I would imagine they would help. But 
we've also got the, the coaches in mind, say, like the analysis, uh, the boys like Charlie and Dan, they do so much work uh, in, in terms of for the opposition, but also in the individual stuff as well, cutting up the, the footage of what the players have done well, what the, our players, like our Preston players have done well, what they've not done uh, so well and just continually try to develop them. Just just a complete random question. Just I'm interested. Do you think um, a lone number nine playing with your back to goal is probably one of the hardest things to do in the championship? Well, you're preaching because I, I I think being a number nine is the hardest position in the the, the pitch. I'm, I was a number nine, so I'm always going to say that. But I think where where else in the pitch do you have to have you know somebody six foot two, six foot three is right behind you and is going to well and smash you as soon as you take a touch of the ball and you have to protect the ball, yeah. protect it from him, link the game, turn back, try and run beyond them and then try and get into the box and try and score goals. Yeah. The, the hardest part of football is obviously scoring goals. Yeah. That's the hardest part because that's why they pay the big money for them. But yeah. I also, linking the game and taking the ball yeah. is a really, very difficult skill. I think that's, I've always tried to get that across like, there's a lot more than just arriving in the box. That's probably yeah. a small part of being a striker. So, especially in an Alex Neal team as well, I think it's a very demanding role. So, absolutely, all it's be just... interesting because obviously Frankie went two up front. Be interesting to see what he does next season. Yeah, um, but yeah, I just think Emil's been very harshly criticised by some part. So, hopefully, right. he does well next season. Yeah, I think I think he will. I think he will. In terms of your time at North End, then how tough of a job was it? I think it's quite widely reported and spoken about that we we don't spend the money that other clubs do and we don't have perhaps the resources that other clubs do. Did that ever sort of make it a more difficult job? Or like you said earlier, was it in terms of like selling the place to players, was it sort of not as tough as people think? Yeah, I think the, moving in your training ground is definitely going to help. I think that's definitely going to help. Um, we had a similar problem at Norwich where the, the, the training ground at Norwich wasn't what we expected. Like, uh, I'll tell you a story at Norwich. We had, um, we had Sebastian Haller, um, the one that went to West Ham. We had him uh, in the building. Uh, we'd been granted permission for him to come to the, build, to, come to the training ground. Um, and he walked around the training ground. It was from Utrecht at the time. Um, and he walked into the, the gym, which was a conservatory. Literally, what it was, looked around and you could tell then he wasn't signing. Three hours later, he phoned his back and says, not, no, I'm not saying it's not that big a move, it's not bigger than you check your training grounds, basically average. Um, and I think again, I went off sort of a subject there, but with, with Preston, we were previously at Springfields and it was okay. Let's not be a bit of bush guys, it was an okay training facility for a championship. It, it, it was old as well, wasn't it? Yeah, whereas we, we moved to um, Houston. Um, Oh, it is Exton, not Houston. Exton, Exton yeah, yeah. Houston, yeah. um, and it was brilliant. As soon as you walked in, you went, "Yeah, do you know what? This, yes, yeah. this, this is just right." Um, in terms of recruitment, well, recruitment's hard. Uh, again, I'm, uh, my, my role's previously chief scout head of recruitment. It's, it's, it's a hard, hard job. All you're in it. It's, it's not easy to sign players. As it says earlier on, identifying them is the easy part. We, we could all sit here and say, "What? Sign him, sign him, sign him." But trying to get the deals done is the hardest, hardest part. That's because you can't factor in what other clubs are going to do, what other clubs are going to pay, what the player wants to do, what the agent wants. You, you don't know until you, you start negotiating. And then sometimes you, you won't realise until it's too late that you're not getting the player. And other times you can realise quite quickly, yes, it's not going to happen for us, we need to move on. Um, so I think that 
I I enjoyed the job. I enjoyed the challenge. It was a challenge. Listen, we'd a we've got a we'd a club that we didn't spend hundreds of millions in players like the, the other clubs did, and that's just that's just the way it was. It's just the way it was. I never complained about it. I just got on. It just made it more exciting if you could sign the right players. And what 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 pleased me about our recruitment at Preston is the amount of times that we'd identify a player that the so-called bigger clubs in the league would come and take off us. Um, when we were we were close to, to getting deals done and they would come in and swoop down and offer more money or it was closer to the home or whatever it may be. And you went, you're doing, you're clearly doing something right, guys, but it's just, it's just yeah. difficult to, to sign players. Was that the case with someone like uh, Jamal Lowe last season that we were linked quite heavily with? Or yeah, I think uh, well, I have to. We, we we did try and sign Jamal. Um, it was a player that that was of real interest to us, and he chose Swansea. But mm. no disrespect to Preston, he chose Swansea and they're in the playoff final. Yeah, I mean, so sometimes you have to say to Jamal, yeah, it hurts me to say this. Probably made the right decision. Made the right decision. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It doesn't. It's not nice to say it because I wanted to sign for us, but yeah, yeah, fair play to you, Jamal. They finished the playoffs last year. They've finished the playoffs this year. They're in the final. Steve Cooper comes across as a, an excellent coach. I know the head of recruitment there, Andy Scott, got a lot of time for him. I think he's very, very good at what he does, and he's managed to sign some good players there. Yeah, because I think we'd heard, hadn't we, early last summer that Jamal was as he was in the building at one point, if you will, yeah. and obviously ended up ended up going to Swansea. No, obviously, as like you say, you probably get harshly treated. Like the processes are obviously good. It's just like getting getting over the line, obviously. But I suppose yeah. that's that's the thing with recruitment, isn't it? Because yeah. it's not so widely spoken about as to what goes on in 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 that process. Yeah, it, yeah. you you you're judged ultimately on what you get through the door or what you don't get through the door, and then. Further that it's how they and that, that that influences results, Jake. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, guys, things, I like it to like, what the boxers say. Tony Bell, you just get a new book out that says everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And I like it that to football. We've all got a plan. We've all we've all got these, oh, we'd like him, he'd do, do this, he'd do that. And then you try and get him, you don't get him. And you're like, right, try and get this one, you don't get him. You're like, I'll try and get that one, don't get him. And you're like, right, okay. You just you suffer you, you suffer so many knockbacks, so many setbacks in football. You constantly get people telling you no, 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 and that's just recruitment. That like if you're applying for a job or whatever it may be, it's just football's such a harsh and brutal industry that you just have to go like that, right? We go again, we just go again, yeah. crack on. Yeah. Um, do you have any regrets from your time at North End or anything looking back that you'd maybe do differently if you had the chance again? Or no. something that you've maybe taken into your new role that you think I'll I'll try and avoid that. No, no, Jake. I, I, I worked I worked as hard as I could. I dedicated myself to the job. Um, I done the, the the best that I could do. We we missed out on so many players that I don't want to get the violin out and say all this and that. But we did. We felt our processes were good. Um, we felt we'd done a lot of good work, and unfortunately, we didn't get the players. But in terms of myself. Um, I learned a lot. I really enjoyed my time there. I, I, to be fair, I absolutely loved it. I um, thought it was a great club, great history, great tradition. Love to see them in the Premier League. I'll, if, if they ever get to the playoff final or anything, I'll be one of the fans in the, the stadium cheering them on. I would absolutely love it. I would just love it for, for everyone connected to the club. Um, and 
I just don't, I don't, I never want to have, uh, I'm not that type of person, Jake, I don't want to have regrets. What I'll do is, if something's bothering me or something's annoying me or I'm not doing something, I'll try and change it there and then. Yeah. Um, and I'd have good, open, honest conversations with Peter. Uh, I'd ask him what, what he thought we could do to, to sort of further develop and, and he would try and help me um, with, with things that we've done. Like Peter and the club uh, sanctioned and allowed me to go on that uh, technical director's course, um, which cost the club a bit of money. Um, and they, they they paid for that for me. So it's things like that. It's the small things in the background that you you don't nobody really realizes that yeah. clubs go above and beyond for you. Um, like you'll never hear me criticizing pressing guys because I absolutely loved my time there. I yeah. thought it was a brilliant club, uh, brilliant staff, absolutely just everything about it. I was just the only only regret Jake actually is probably not making the playoffs because I would fancy I would have fancied Alex to have got us up. We, we we've we said that before, haven't we? That over uh, over two legs, over two yeah. legs, we we fancied Alex. Yeah, uh, he was done at Hamilton. We've done it in Norwich. I think if you yeah. look at if you look at the past, we've rarely been beaten twice by a team in a season as well. Mm-hmm. So tactically, he's spot on, like you said before. So yeah, he's brilliant. Tactically, he's brilliant, Alex. To be yeah. fair. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the day that me and you get him on a podcast, Ollie, because it'll probably be the one time that I don't have to say that much. I'll just be yeah. listening. Yeah, yeah. I'll be listening to the pair of you. Um, were you yeah. surprised that Frankie accepted the job at North End and didn't sort of leave to go with Alex wherever he might go next? Because I know, obviously, he's been with him at Hamilton and then Norwich and then followed him to North End. Good question, Jake. Good question. I think... Well, how do you answer that? Was a surprise? Well, first of all, Alex is not in a job. Yeah. So Frankie has to look after number one. Uh, and that's no disrespect to Alex. Uh, it's the same with everyone, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Number one is always Frankie, just helping your family. The, the club asked Frankie to take over a, a situation with eight games to go, do the best he can. He picked up 17 points out of 24. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's brilliant for him that. And I don't think the club couldn't have not offered him the job. Um, and I'm surprised that he took it. No, because. Um, He's got that in him. He's absolutely got that in him to be a, a head coach. He's, he's definitely got the ability. I, like, I, 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 like, I love Frankie to bits, guys. I just, uh, you'll never hear me criticise him. I just love the guy to bits. Just everything about him is just, just brilliant. Um, but I, I, also, taking that side of things, I, I really believe in what he does. I really believe in how he wants to, to play and how he operates and how he speaks to people and how he manages. I think they could be a dangerous side next year, Preston. They really, really do. And I'm, I hope and pray that he, he, he hits, hits the ground running and they get some good signings in um, and they, they can really do well next year. How, in, how important do you think a good start is to a season? Especially for a new manager. Obviously, like Frankie, it's something that he's going to, he'll be desperate for. I think for a new manager, it's probably crucial, but history tells you that sometimes it doesn't really matter. You can build up. I remember Brentford, was it Fulham, last season? Fulham as well. Yeah. Brentford the last season or the season before on the way Thomas uh, Frank but they hadn't started the season that well and then out of nowhere they just absolutely blitzed it um, and, and done really really well so I think for Frankie it'll probably be, be important because you want to show and repay the faith that Mr Hemmings and Peter uh, have, have had in him that he starts and he gets off to a good start um, but that again guys you, you are the fans you have watched them all the time the first, the first five games, you could get West Brom, you could get Fulham, you could get a Brentford or a Swansea, you could get a QPR away, and you've got some difficult games, and they're all, yeah, they're all I think, difficult. 
think North End had something similar in, uh, might have been 18, 19. I think we had some really tough games at the start. I remember we went to Norwich. It was this season just gone. Yeah, we went to Norwich. It, was, it wasn't this season because Callum Robertson hit the bar. Oh. And he, he went there this season. It definitely, definitely wasn't but, this yeah, I think season, in the Championship, though, if you, I think you can put ten run, like a run of 10 games together and just get yeah. from one end to the other. So I don't think it's actually that important in the Champ. I remember that game. All of Callum hit the bar mm. because um, they went up the park like five minutes later and scored to yeah. beat 2-0. And then yeah. Alex Tetty scored that winner goal as well where they, yeah. they cut it back. For the, so I always remember that game. Um, yeah. And I always remember... Daniel Farker, who's obviously a brilliant manager, was under a bit of pressure yeah. before that game. And then they went on a roll after that, didn't they? Yeah, they beat us. And then pff, the rest is history, let's be honest. How, how well have they done? Yeah. How is it at Hearts now then? Are you enjoying it? How does it compare to North End? Very, very good, Jake. Uh, great club, great tradition, great fan base. Um, obviously, fans are not in just now. We, we managed to, to win the league, which was good. Um, and we're now building for the, the Premier League in Scotland. So um, I'm thoroughly enjoying it, to be honest with you. It's a really good club. The staff have made me feel really welcome. Um, I'm back, obviously, in my home country. Um, my family's settled. We've bought a house. So, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been good so far, Jake. But I'm only in the door five months. We were always planning to move back up to Scotland, or is it just something that presented itself at the time? And obviously a massive club if you're Scottish as well. Well... You'll find with me, Ollie. I'm, I'm I'm very open and I'm very honest. Um, the lockdown was uh, was very difficult for us as a family. Um, we, we we it was myself, my wife, and my little girl. We were st- stuck in a house in Preston. Um, couldn't see family, couldn't see friends. The club were great. Uh, they, they, they were always there to support us, but we just started to feel alone. We just started to feel like uh, well, when the, the restrictions were eased. People could go and visit people in their gardens and things like that. We couldn't do anything like that. We still had just nobody. Um, and and my wife, um, my, my wife, Ollie, she's a deputy head teacher and she's more clever than I am. She's she's got three degrees. Um, now that's not really saying much because I'm not the most clever. To be honest with you, I'm not the sharpest tool. But she she's she's very 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 good at her job. And it's it's we started to kind of we were looking at what sort of work down here for her, well down in, down south for her and. And then the opportunity came to to speak to Hearts for myself. And do you know what I mean? You just feel a connection. You just you just feel it fits. And yeah. I just felt, yeah, do you know what? I want to speak to them. I want to see what their plans are. I want to see what they can do. And um, we had, I spoke to them a couple of times and I just felt it was right. Um, and I did miss home. Um, uh, only my, my, my older brother, had um, he, he was unwell. He had a brain tumour. Um, thankfully he's, he's kind of recovered from now and he's, he's, he's well on the mend but it just it made me it made me realise it kind of hit home that yeah. football's not everything um, your, your family life and making sure that the people around you are, are, are settled and, and happy in their, their lives and my wee girl wanted to come back up as well and we just felt it was it was the right time um, so to answer your question well, I hadn't planned for it it just sort of fell into place and yeah. I'm so lucky that a, a club like Hearts um, chose me to be their sporting director because it was a it's a big job. There was, there was a lot of interest in it, and thankfully the, the club trusted me with the the, the responsibility. Did you see that as sort of another step up as well on on your career path? Because obviously, I think I read you've got some involvement in the academy, the women's team, stuff like that. So, did you see that as another sort of progression in your career as well? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Ollie. It's just it's the role that I, I, I wanted to 
to to see how I could do. And, and like, yeah. I'm not the finished article by any stretch of imagination. It's it's talks cheap for me. It's all about accountability. I wanted to see if I could do the role. Um, I'm loving being involved with Hearts, as you say, with the academy, with the women's side. It's been brilliant. It's been a, a breath of fresh air for me because I don't want to just sign players, players, players constantly. I want to develop players. I want to come through the academy. I want to have a real say on the um, the women's side and, and what we can do to, to, to help that. Because at the moment, we've got, we've got three really strong sides in the women's side up here. We've got Glasgow City, we've got Rangers and Celtic. They're really, yeah. really strong. But below that, you're probably saying Hibs and Spartans are, are, are decent, but we've got a chance to, to really build something here. And that excites me, trying to be involved in that and see if I can help in any way. It's marginal gains, isn't it? That, that extra 1%. If you can do that, then I would be happy with that. Yeah. I know uh, I know Fran Alonso, the Celtic women's manager, and he says the, the actual quality is improving at a really quick rate. Um, yeah. The women's game in Scotland. So that's just another like, interesting thing. For you to get yeah, well, into, I suppose. I've been to, I've been to a few of the, the, the women's games, uh, all in some teams have really impressed me. Um, I've been really impressed with Rangers, the the the, 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 the sort of the way they play, the, the structure to the play, it has been really impressive. Like they've got a, a right back, um, her name's Rachel McLaughlin, who I think is absolutely brilliant. I'm just I'm watching her, and she's bombs up and down constantly, overlaps, underlaps, technically excellent, and you're just looking at it going, God, this 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 could be really exciting, this women's game. Um, really, really exciting. So I'm, I'm really I'm really interested to see how I can do uh, and if I can help in any way. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think unless you've got anything else, Ollie, then, uh, or Joey, if you've got anything that you want to sort of finish on, then we can we can end it there. No, no, guys, I'm, I thank you. Again, Jake, apologies for taking so long to come on. No, not a problem. I completely understand. Yeah, the uh, job's been, I've been obviously so busy, but yeah. I still enjoyed it. Um, I hope it, I've kind of given you an insight in some way of what it was yeah, like. Really and yeah, how, how we, we worked hard, we tried our best, and I'd like to think that's all people can ask for, is that that you had dedicated people at the club um, trying their best to get the club into the Premier League. Um, and we tried, and we tried, and we tried, and Again, it's not, listen, I've moved on, Alex has moved on, but Frankie's still there and the guys are still there and they'll, they'll, they'll do their best to get the, the club uh, where we all hope and believe that they belong. Yeah, brilliant. Joe, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Well.